The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. Hello and thanks very much for joining me for this episode of Climate Matters. I'm Lindsay Wood, the Director of Climate Strategy Company Resilience Limited, and Climate Matters is brought to you by Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access radio station. Fresh FM broadcasts in Blenheim on 88.9, to Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, the Nelson CBD on 107.2, and across the Nelson-Tasman region on 104.8. It's also streamed to the planet on freshfm.net, and podcasts of Climate Matters and of other locally produced shows are available through freshfm.net and through the accessmedia.nz app. Well, today I have pleasure in bringing you Climate Matters number 86, which is hot off the press, just been written the same day that I'm recording this. And this time we're covering um, a, a, a rather New Zealand and Australia-focused issue and the... Um, the interesting thing is that I had thought I would be um, reporting on COP27, but I have some rather brief and cynical things to say about that. So here's what we will be covering. New Zealand and Australia must be climate heroes, not zeros. Some surprising facts on the Australasian uptake of Nate Hagen's podcasts and webcasts, which are under the name of The Great Simplification. We've talked about those before. Some striking facts on light and heavy electric vehicles. And then a a mystery for you. What does QHP stand for? And we will talk about that. But to say that it's a timely reset of a Kiwi meme and it'll become clear when we go into the detail. And here's another puzzle for you. Improve the chances of a white Christmas. Think P as in the letter P for your Yuletide menu. So you can think about why would the letter P guide us towards making climate-friendly meals. Uh, And then a final item, Aussie leapfrogs New Zealand in a still pitiful climate commitment. Then we will have a hot tip for you, as always. Uh, And so, time to get into it. Well, I mentioned COP27, and here's what I had to say in my little editorial. Well, I expected to feature COP27 but it's been said in The Guardian, and here's quoting from their cover, Hot Air, a climate anticlimax. I've also shown a little cartoon that was in Ray Skinner's great publication, Sustainability Matters, and it simply shows a a large committee table with a whole lot of people round the table yakking away, and meanwhile it's sitting on the beach, and right beside them is Mother Earth drowning in the water waiting to be rescued. Uh, which rather, I think, graphically sums up the situation of COP27 and the plight of the planet. However, skipping on from COP27, you'll find that Climate Matters 86 here praises and damns New Zealand's climate prospects at the same time, and that doesn't seem much better than COP27, and it also seems more than a touch ironic. I've already mentioned the inspiring comment by Nate Hagens, and and among other things, you'll find that he places a serious 
suggestion as to the potential role of Australia and New Zealand in the global climate quest. And then I mentioned QHP to you, and I've mentioned in the editorial, it strikes just the right chord in joining right brain and left brain thinking on urban design. I'll elaborate on that. And I'll also elaborate on the fact that it's not all good news. So let's get into it. The heading is New Zealand and Aussie must be climate heroes, not zeros, because there's a bit of both in there. Where there's light, there's hope. Prior climate matters have sung the praises of the insightful sweep of Nate Hagen's United States-based series, The Great Simplification. And he's a recent one, and we'll give a link to this on the Fresh FM Climate Matters webpage. A recent one, he, he commented on the analytics of his webcast, and in the last year, it's had over a million downloads, so that's a very serious uh, and worthwhile effort. But the point of real interest is that when he analysed it, the 15 cities in the world that had the greatest uptake or engagement with uh, his series, of the 15 cities, seven of them were in Australasia, four in Australia and three in New Zealand. So around about half of the world's main uptakes were in Australasia. Uh, you add to that that little old Nelson with 50,000 people had more people engaging with it than Chicago with 2.7 million. And what did Nate Hagens make of this? Well, what he concluded, and he was surprised by these findings, he said, this region, i.e. Australasia, might offer real hope for climate leadership in the way that we're engaging and other countries don't. Maybe, he said, islands foster a special sort of I don't think these were his words, but a special sort of survival awareness. And as I said, we'll give a link to that. There's a map there which is like a, a night view of the whole of the planet with highlighted showing the actual uh, the, the locations of those cities. The biggest uptake of any city was London. There were only four in the United States and then there were two in the Middle East of all places. So moving on from there, where there's light and heavy electric vehicles, there's hope. I'm involved with a, a subset of Nelson's great organisation, Businesses for Climate Action, and that subset is the Fleet Management Group, looking at vehicle fleets. We've had two meetings in the last couple of weeks, each with different specialists and each giving fascinating information on electric vehicles. The first a couple of weeks ago was with James Shaw, the climate change minister. And he one of the things that he emphasised was that in the last couple of months, electric vehicle car sales now exceeded a third of the total car sales in New Zealand. Now, that's a, an uptick in sales that was greatly ahead of any of the predictions that he or his advisors had made. In other words, we're switching to electric far faster than anyone had predicted. <clears throat> the other guest that we had was Dave McCoy. You may have heard me mention him before. He's the editorial director of the New Zealand trucking media organisation that produces New Zealand uh, trucking magazine and other things. Dave had recently been in Hanover in Germany to the, the absolutely huge IAA Trucking Expo, and he came back with a lot of insights, and one that he shared with us that relates to this particular item is that 
there were 20 huge pavilions in the expo. He talked about each one being bigger than a rugby field. 20 huge pavilions full of trucks. And in all of that array of display, there were only 11 trucks that were powered just by diesel. In other words, diesel, the his history of fossil fuel vehicles, was writ large on, on the Hanover IAA Trucking Expo. But Dave McCoy also gave a serious warning that replies equally to the car situation as it does to the, um, to the trucking situation, and that is that we need the infrastructure, this is especially the charging infrastructure, and we need the regulations sorting out Otherwise, they will impede the uptake of the new technology when we don't want anything to impede it. Um, in addition to, obviously, the logistics of having enough charging points, we also need a power delivery for them. So, for example, a, um, I charge my electric vehicle on my home's three-pin power point and it delivers two kilowatts, but the, a typical truck charger is sitting at around one megawatt that is the equivalent of 500 of my three-pin home charges. So that's a huge step up and requires a great draw in electricity. And the other thing that Dave talked about was the, the great need for regulatory improvement, and especially in the commercial sector where they are operating. So all sorts of regulations that uh, private car vehicle drivers don't have. And he, the example that he gave was that with the electrification of the heavy transport sector, the, the trucks and trailers can both have motors on them. So it's just a matter of running a cable back to the trailer of a truck and you can put electric motors in there. Now, I, I'm not equipped to comment on the merits of that, but his point was that that immediately put that trailer outside any regulations that are in the country at the moment because a trailer is an unpowered thing towed behind a vehicle, behind a truck at the moment. Both of those I find very exciting that, that we're really bending the curve up in terms of the uptake of both heavy and light transport in New Zealand. And a bit of a thumbs up to the government because I think their electric vehicle subsidy scheme seems to have hit the spot and has really achieved impetus in the private vehicle section. Okay, moving on, speaking of New Zealand and climate leadership... The QHP, which I mentioned at the start, is a timely reset of a Kiwi meme. Well, what is QHP? And I'll dial back into history, about 50 years. Some of, especially our older listeners, might recall a book called Half Gallon Quarter Acre Pavlova Paradise, and it was a spoof on New Zealand culture at the time. Well, QHP is quarter hour paradise, so they have taken the quarter acre paradise of the book title and cleverly coupled two key themes of people friendly and climate friendly urban planning. So a quarter of an hour paradise, you might have heard people talking about the 15 minute city where you can get to all your essential services within a 15 minute walk or cycle ride and so on. And the, calling it a quarter hour paradise, I think is a, a brilliant and apt way of terming it. It, it also it captures that elusive tourism that life can still be really good after such critical changes. It's not like we're throwing everything worthwhile out. We've got other really great things. So their quarter hour paradise will be, there's a, a web link to that. 
and one of their banners is a new era of the Kiwi dream. Now, I would say that's well worth sharing with the rest of the world. Moving on, improve the chances of a white Christmas. Think P for your Yuletide menu. Think P for your Christmas menu. The BBC has just done an interesting story. They've got a series called The Climate Question and the most recent one, which will also have a link on the Fresh FM website. The, the most recent one has a banner. Meat is one of the biggest drivers of the climate crisis. So let's just register that. Meat is one of the biggest drivers of the climate crisis. So the climate question goes on to analyse various things about diets and, and the difference between different types of meat and how they compare with different types of plant-based meat and so on. And they conclude that while red meat is rated the worst possible food for the climate, they actually say it's less clear-cut for others. So non-ruminant meats, so we're thinking maybe they're of pork or poultry, are less harmful than red meat. And also plant-based meats do come with their own climate footprint, and even they are not all the same either. But the answer is pretty simple, and this is how I've encapsulated it. Prioritise P. P is for poultry and pork. And pescatorial, that means related to fish. And P is for plant-based. And here's a catch. Even pea-based plant meats are better than soy-based plant meats. So think pea when you're planning your, uh, your meals this, this summer. And you may remember us expounding meatless meatballs in prior climate matters. We'll also give a link to a, a website called Power Hungry, which goes into this. And then purely by chance, after I'd written all of this as a stop press, today's The Press paper featured an item called Mouth-Watering Plant-Based Festive Foods. Well, now I'm not going to run over time if I'm not careful, so I'll jump on to the next item. Speaking of Australia and climate leadership, Aussie Leapfrogs New Zealand. And a, a, a reader of Climate Matters wrote to me, Bruce wrote in and said, aspire to insufficiency. That was his ironic take on this. New Zealand's still dismal, highly insufficient rating by the reputable organisation Climate Action Tracker is still sitting unchanged. We're at the worst rating. But before we get delusions of climate grandeur and the other stuff I've been talking about, let's take a reality check. On the back of their new climate initiatives under the new government in Australia, Australia has actually stepped past us to insufficient. They were previously highly insufficient as well. So here we are languishing behind Australia in global assessment of our climate initiatives. I uh, interviewed Professor Bronwyn Hayward earlier, and some of you may have heard the interviews, and she's an IPCC lead author, well-versed in these things. Good heavens, she said to me, New Zealand is the second worst in the OECD. Only Turkey is worse than us. So we could get pretty despondent about that. But then let's take some heart from other good things the Aussies are doing, such as they've got a legal history where some young Australians have succeeded in a court case against a giant coal mine. That's reported in the conversation. We'll give a link to that. But let's give Bruce the last word in this. The good news, he said, is surely there's only one direction we can go if we're at the bottom of the heap. 
So I do hope you're right, Bruce, and that we go that way quickly. Just to close off quickly with a hotter tip for a cooler planet, not hard to guess what it is, plan more pea into your Christmas menu. Plant-based meat, fish, pork, poultry, etc. On that note, I thank you very much for your company. I do hope we enjoy it again next week. And this is Lindsay Wood signing off with Kia Kaha for the climate. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.